0: Jess, Trey, Amy, Quinn, Ray, Leah, Maddie, Ray, Lily, Charlie, Fay, M. Bryce, Daniela, Elena, Marshall. Hey everyone, it's Ash and Liz. And you're talking with my puzzle
1: pieces. Hey guys, so last episode we promised you a combined Chris and M episode and then part with you decided that we just had too many wonderful things to say about m and not m chris <laughs> fine it's monday here it's <laughs> um, monday here well it's really not monday when they're listening uh, about chris so we ended up just focusing on chris last episode so this will be um more of an m focused episode so you kind of get a bonus here you really do so i think sort of talking so i'm um, is one of the parts that has sort of smushed together um, into another part. And so I think for tonight, it's going to be primarily Jess and Quinn talking for um. Yeah. And about Em. Um, because Jess is the person she squished into. I am. And actually, you guys were part of each other and then separated and then squished back together. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, so it's sort of a, of a homecoming Will. Yeah, a little. And I think that's that has to do a lot
0: with... So I didn't have a name change when Big M came back. Um, and mostly because we already were familiar with each other. So she would kind of already chosen a name when we separated. And so we didn't really feel the need to have another name change.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I guess... I'm trying to decide. This one, these are a little harder to start because we're not gonna necessarily describe what they look like. Because just like Chris, M didn't really have a a visual embodiment internally, right? M was more just a feeling and
0: not an emotion feeling. Like a presence. Like a presence feeling. It's like a ghost. No, like a ghost. <laughs> um, so it it does make it harder to mm-hmm. describe her. Because there is not a clear bodily description. Sure. Um,
1: so if, so let's describe the like the the sense of presence with her. So my experience of sense of presence. Well, it it changed a little bit when I first met her. She presented one way, and then as I got to know her better, I felt like there were some parts that she'd been hiding. But I think she presented as a sort of m- motherly, but not like necessarily nurturing motherly, but like just wanting to take care of you and look out for you and willing to tell you when you were stupid, sort of a figure. I don't know, what was your guys' experience of, like, the internal presence of her? So, it also changed. Initially, before we really knew
0: who she was, Mm -hmm. because, um, we didn't know her as her, Mm -hmm. really. So, there was, sometimes you'd have this feeling where you would be out and you'd be interacting with someone and they would say something to you and you knew that you were supposed to know what they were talking about and you didn't. And then all of a sudden you'd get this feeling of kind of like calm. um, And you'd be able to carry on the conversation. Um, So you you would know you were getting information from somewhere, but you didn't really know where. Mm -hmm. And, you didn't really question it because you had to know the information and it was just this feeling of like, okay, someone shared it, someone shared and someone's helping and that's all I really need to worry about. Mm -hmm. And so that, that was really her, the way it felt early on. Mm -hmm. As she became more known, there was much more of a okay, well, I'm going to tell you this and here's what you need to know. Mm-hmm. And a little bit more direct and matter of fact, but still very caring and still wanting to share and make sure you knew things and that nothing was going to happen to you because you didn't know something you were supposed
1: mm-hmm. to know. And one of the things she was really, really good at was, was putting up walls when she felt a wall needed to be there. So if okay. there was something going on. And even in the beginning, as you guys were getting to know me and – things were just more fluid and relationships with me and other people were changing and growing and um, moving. She did a lot of like, I'm not going to tell people that this thing happened until they're ready to know about it. So like if you guys drank, there'd be a a wall in place to shield some people from knowing that or whatever. Mm -hmm. And she did a lot of that in the, um, like the earlier period of my knowing her.
0: Yeah. And it was different from Chris in that. Chris kind of put blocks between people on the inside when they were getting close to something. And Big M was more of
1: information blocking. Mm -hmm. Or she could make it so that there was like a wall that like someone who was inside couldn't see what was happening on the outside. Yeah. And that was, I think, at times really useful for you guys as people were sort of trying to find themselves and not wanting to worry about like, confusing or hurting other parts or like wanting to be able to process a feeling you had about something to do with another part without worrying that they were overhearing or some of those things. I think that part was helpful. Yeah.
0: So, okay. It definitely was. So yeah. And Quinn was more, so I think sometimes the pieces that like, well, I thought Quinn knew everything. Mm -hmm. Um, Quinn was more of, he knew all of the people, and he kind of decided, like, who should be out when. Um, he didn't always know all of, like, the details of the information, so it was more of a knowing people and knowing who could handle its situation, whereas um, M really held all of the information and the things that happened and was a little bit more logical and removed from it. She didn't know anyone on an emotional level. She just kind of held all of the information and could communicate that between pieces. So it was kind of like our internal communication before we had internal communication. Mm-hmm. So before we all talked to each other, she could kind of share pieces she was from like one person. That- yes. <laughs> she could share information between people who didn't know each other without them knowing where it came from. Mm -hmm. So it kind of kept that barrier up while still making sure people knew the important things
1: to keep functioning. Mm -hmm. And in fact, when I first met her, I was trying to think, it must have been in sort of the second group of people that I met, maybe? I think
0: so. Towards the end of that second group of people.
1: Um, But when I first met her, she presented as very robotic, and even in, in like, her word choice, like, she did not want to admit that she had emotions. She wanted me to think that she was purely an information database that that shared information and didn't, like, have independent feelings. And she was initially very, very invested in keeping up that persona. And that didn't work well with me, unfortunately. Or fortunately.
0: Yeah, she... She really felt the need to hold on to that, and it was very much a safety thing. Um, if she was too emotionally invested, she might not be able to help share information or make the correct decisions, um, but I, you can't really know a bunch of information about people and not care about them. Mm-hmm. It's just like you're a sociopath then or something, you know, <laughs> like you can't you can't know all these intimate details and things that have happened to people and then not care about them as humans, so I think... Yeah her way of managing everything that she knew was distancing herself, Mm -hmm. even though she really cared about
1: people. Mm -hmm. And I think that she learned like once, once she admitted, like I do have feelings, I think she was still able to do her job and like learn how to find that balance of I care about you. And I also sometimes have to take a step back, Mm -hmm. but I can see why she felt, especially in the beginning when there wasn't good communication why she felt like she needed to keep that, that boundary up. And she was useful for me too, honestly, in the beginning with, she was someone that I felt like I could ask a question that I didn't have to worry. I was going to hurt someone by, by asking the question, or I could like have forgotten information about somebody. And at the time I worried a lot about like, I don't want to admit that I forgot something. And now I would, now I would say, don't worry about that. Like just be honest and say like, I care about you. And I don't remember this detail. Mm -hmm. But at the time, I was really concerned about that. And so she was really helpful for me too, and like filling in gaps of things that maybe I didn't want to ask or had forgotten. Yeah.
0: And as we started to know each other more, it was easier for her to admit she had more emotions because we could communicate better internally and we did know about each other. So there was less she had to block. Um, mm-hmm. Like if we didn't know something, we could go ask the person on the yeah. inside who that related to because we knew that person now and she didn't have to monitor as many things as she used to. Mm
1: -hmm. That makes a lot of sense. And so when I don't remember at what point we learned more about her backstory and her connection to you, Jess, do you remember when that happened?
0: It's hard now because we're so connected. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to say it was once we knew all of the pieces minus the shades.
1: That would make sense because she didn't have to keep up any of those divisions anymore.
0: Yeah, that she decided she should share a little bit more about why she was more robotic and how she was able to continue to function that way.
1: Mm -hmm. And I, I don't know how comfortable you and she feel about sharing this, but... You, so you can decide how much to share, I guess, is what I'm saying. But you guys were originally, like, just you identify as having, like, sort of been created or come at a certain time. And that's actually not when you... It's very complicated. You sort of existed before then as a part of her. And yeah, you... so...
0: Yeah, you do it. I'm trying to... It is, it is complicated. And if it's confusing or doesn't make sense, please ask questions and... I will clarify to the best of my ability. So essentially what happened is when we first started creating people, when we were very young. Um, we were really creative, obviously, as a young child, mm-hmm. and decided that we should have little M and big M because. Why not? Because why not? Because, you know, that's what you do when you're really little. You mm-hmm. name things like strawberry or. My big dog. Yes. That's the animal. <laughs> um You know, and so Little M really carried, and I won't speak a ton to this because this is hers, a lot of the trauma and, like, emotional struggles that were going on then. And Big M was really more our functional piece. And um, as time went on, that we needed someone who be somewhat functional and know a good amount of things and also be the main person who was out and so her and I split basically um Big M decided that as we were so like when we were in high school is when this kind of happened that can I interrupt for just a second
1: so between then between when big M came and high school, there were lots of, not lots, I guess several other people created. Yes. But in high school they reached this point of all of the people who exist now have sort of, they're at like, they're like, I can't necessarily add another thing and I can't function well enough to be out like the primary person out high schooling. Yeah. And so like you said, you needed somebody who could do that and take whatever trauma happened at that age and still have all of the historical knowledge so that um, what Ms. Big M wasn't having to feed you things constantly because she had taken on a, like a larger and larger role internally. Yeah, she knew a lot and
0: she was managing a lot and she was keeping a lot of things under wraps as far as memories and thoughts and feelings and it was really hard for her to do all of that and still feed outside information. So she needed someone who had kind of just this underlying knowledge of our general history and could interact in the world um, while she managed and take some trauma while she managed the rest of the internal life. And so that's why her and I split and big M became the one who was inside managing and keeping kind of walls up and keeping things contained internally so that I just could, function as our main high school like persona Mm -hmm. and and really the the person who was primarily out most of the time Mm -hmm.
1: and so that was one of the things when you realized or learned or whatever that you guys were connected and you guys started spending more time together and she started sharing some of the experience of managing some of those internal things with you and you being able to like I don't know, learn them. Mm -hmm. I just remember how exhausted you were all the time as you were trying to do that.
0: Yeah, so I was trying to learn what she had all been doing and everything that she knew so that I could have a better understanding. And I was so – I was definitely not out as much. I was – when I was out, I was really drained. Even inside, I was really emotionally drained. I was really – she did a lot. And I – could understand why she had removed herself so much from everyone, because maintaining all of the relationships that I had and doing all the work she was doing was just draining me.
1: Well, and my stubborn friend, you weren't very good about being willing to stay in when you needed to. You what? you were I know you were wanting this is about again. Yeah. You were wanting well, but you guys are the same person now. So sorry you were wanting to keep all of your pre big external roles and learn all the things she did and do both of those simultaneously and so you were living in this like limbo place like a lot of the time where you were still listening to what was going on out and like partly there so that you could manage if you needed to or step in if you needed to and also trying to learn about compartmentalization and learn about how to manage memories and learn about how to make the decisions that she made, and all of those things all at once, and it wasn't sustainable.
0: So yes, I spent a lot of time trying to live both in and out. And for anyone listening, um, if you're trying to do that and you're tired, I can tell you you won't um, get accustomed to it. It won't get. <laughs> it doesn't get easier. Easier. Um, you'll just get more and more tired, and there were times where I was basically like shutting down and people had to make me rest
1: because I Mm -hmm. was actually hurting the body by trying to function Mm -hmm. that way. You were. And, and running risks of like, just making mistakes that could have damaged relationships or other things. And not because you weren't trying, but just because you couldn't possibly do all of the things. Yes. Which is a really hard thing for people like
0: you and I to admit. I want to do all the things and I want to do them all really well all of the time. And Uh so I had to enlist some other people to help me take on some of the internal roles and the external roles and get a better balance, which took time and breaking down some of my stubbornness. Um, And as I did that, it gave Big M and I a chance to talk more and spend some more time together so that I could really learn what she had been doing and what, about her role i needed to know to help other people help me Mm -hmm. and that's kind of how she her and i ended up fusing back together is that the more we talked and the more she shared with me and the more we were able to communicate internally as a system it felt we wouldn't really be losing her if she became a part of me i would just i would kind of be more complete Mm -hmm. i guess
1: Yeah. And that makes a lot of sense. And I think one of the things I watched too, as you were learning to like rely on other parts of the system was how much closer it brought you to other people, because you had done a little bit of that, like holding yourself apart stuff too, um, because you always wanted to be like protecting and caretaking and not admit when you were struggling. And so I think for other parts to have you say like, I need your help. That was a huge thing. And it meant really a lot to people and it allowed you to get a lot closer to people than you would have had you stayed more focused on doing everything alone
0: yeah it definitely Mm -hmm. took me almost not being able to function to say I can't do this Mm -hmm. on my own and um,
1: well I think some tough love from from me and other people in your system of like you have to like this is not okay yeah
0: you you people definitely tell me like you and Big M can't keep functioning this way. You guys aren't going to make it. And and I think her stubbornness played into that too in that she wanted us to find a way to be able to do it together and to not have to rely on other people mm-hmm. necessarily um, because that's kind of how she had functioned as well. And I think there was definitely fear about giving away some of that. And if it didn't go well,
1: then she would be responsible for not Mm -hmm. continuing to protect us. I agree. Well, and even just like with me, there was a period of time where she didn't even want to admit that she like cared about me as a friend or like wanted me to know her as a friend. Um, She wanted to keep us very separate as I think a protective factor for her and for the system.
0: Yeah. I mean, admitting you care about someone on the outside means then that's a relationship you have to maintain and work at and, inevitably some of your energy goes there mm-hmm. and you're and not in a bad way but then you you can't you don't have all of the energy to just mm-hmm. focus on other things and that was really a struggle for her
1: mm-hmm. and I think we've mentioned before that there was a period of time where you like sort of handed over the reins to me in terms of decision making for for the body and I think this was around that time when you were realizing that you weren't in a place to make really good decisions about some things about what you guys needed or especially about what you needed and you saying like, I I need help with this.
0: Yeah. I, Big Anna and I both
1: were like, we
0: need help making decisions about certain things. Um, And if you see us pushing or not resting, Mm -hmm. you kind of need to bully us a little and, tell us to knock it off and make sure that we're taking care of the body and that we're not missing taking care of people because we're trying too hard to be, Mm -hmm. to be the only ones
1: doing everything. Yeah. And I think that was a really big part of it. It's like, because you were so busy trying to do everything, making me helping you make sure you didn't miss something important for someone else. And like, I, part of me was like, yeah, that's cool, like, I get to, like, boss Jess around, because Jess likes to boss other people, but I was also very aware of, like, what, uh, like, how much trust that showed, and also, like, it felt like a very overwhelming responsibility, and I think early on, I struggled more with, like, keeping that boundary of, like, But it isn't fully my responsibility, though. Like, you can ask me for help and I can help you manage and I can boss you and whatever. But at the end of the day, like, whether you guys are okay or not, like, that can't be just on me because I'm not you and it shouldn't be. And I think for a support person, that can be a really challenging line to walk, to be able to not own things that are not yours to own.
0: Yeah. And it definitely did not go perfectly all the time. Mm -mm. We have moments where we had to regroup and reset what that looked like and what kind of support you were giving us and just finding that balance, it it was definitely
1: challenging. Mm -hmm. Well, and I was going through a lot of my own stuff at the same time. And so it was us working to find a balance of like supporting each other. And I think the only reason it worked is because we kept talking. And so that like support people talk.
0: Yeah. You, I, I don't, think you can figure out a way to make it work if you're not having regular conversations and checking in Mm -hmm. and being willing to say like I love you and support you and this has nothing to do with how much I care about you but like this is too much Mm -hmm. or I can do this but like this is too much or today I can't Mm -hmm. I remember we had that conversation of like and either person can say like I love you and today I can't do this Mm -hmm. and any other day I would and in this moment I can't and in this moment like, this is how much I can support you. And we just have to figure that out.
1: Mm-hmm. And we, I think both of us a decent number of times of like, I really love you and I can be present with you, but, but I can't like listen to your emotions right now, or I can't be can- responsible for helping you contain them. You, you need to have you journal or find someone else to talk to. Yeah.
0: Or I can't be like, I can't make a decision. I can give you my input, mm-hmm. and but I can't make the final say mm-hmm. or say like, because I think Sometimes when you're struggling, you need a friend to say, like, okay, I'm going to kick you in the ass, and this is what we're going to do right now, and this is what you need to do, and I'm comfortable making that decision Mm -hmm. for you. And there were just days where that wasn't going to work. Yeah. And to be able to admit that to each other, I actually kept us closer friends and able Mm -hmm. to grow more because we could work that out and be honest about when someone needed a break.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, there wasn't like resentment or a feeling of like one person's always supporting the other. It was a lot more like maybe today you're more of a mess and or someone in your system is or whatever. And then that was the other advantage too. Like if one of you was a mess, one of you might not be. And so I could support this person and then lean on someone else for support back or whatever. Yeah.
0: And being able to have that conversation, I think, and, say like we're not going to resent each other and we're going to be honest because in the long run that allowed us to stay friends and to not burn out and to not be resentful that one person was caretaking the other person
1: more or Mm -hmm. I agree and I think some of those were things that we learned both through your like figuring out your relationship with them and understanding it and also through like M's modeling of how she had to like be so shut off in order to feel like she could support and us not wanting, not wanting that, like not wanting to have it all be one-sided or to feel like it's all one-sided. Or to lose positive parts of our friendship because things were so
0: hard in other aspects. Yes, exactly. Definitely a balance we had to learn.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. So yeah, Big M definitely brought a lot to our system and, helped us learn a lot and i think we really
1: as she opened up more we really grew i agree i I definitely saw that in you guys and i think it was this like inverse like back and forth right like as you guys grew she opened up more and then as she opened up more it left more room for growth and if any one of you would have like shut down and not been willing to continue to open up and move forward it wouldn't work
0: yeah, things would have
1: gone differently, and maybe or we,
0: stopped, or stopped, and maybe we would have gotten there at some point. But I think everyone being open mm-hmm. and communicating about where they were at allowed us to make those changes and to grow. Mm-hmm.
1: And I think, despite her initial like reluctance to do that, she sort of modeled that for you guys, especially as she became really open with you and like sort of letting you come home in a way.
0: Yeah. And she did a lot of, I don't know how I'm going to tell other people this, but her and I could talk about things and then we could talk Mm -hmm. to people together. And that modeling of like, I don't know how to be vulnerable by myself, but I can be vulnerable with another person. Mm -hmm. And I think that modeling allowed a lot of us to do that with you and to do that with other parts of our system. And Mm -hmm. I think as much as we hate the word vulnerability or the word um, being vulnerable is something that made
1: a huge difference in our system and our, and growing. And that's something I talked to all of my patients with, but especially patients with DID about the importance of all of the parts of the system being willing to be vulnerable and that the leaders in your system, the people who people look to for guidance, you are the ones who have to be vulnerable first. You can't put on the like strong face until everybody else is okay. You have to show it's okay to struggle and it's okay to lean on each other because people are going to do what you do. If you model that I have to pretend to be okay, that's what they're going to do. And I think you and um, both did a really good job of like being resistant to it at first because of course you were, and then getting out of your own way a little bit to be able to show people like how it can be beautiful and horrible at the same time.
0: Yeah, was, I'm not going to say it was easy. It was really challenging and not something that came natural or comfortable to either of us. And
1: you're so good at being vulnerable. Now it's never hard anymore.
0: Never, never. Mm-hmm. I don't definitely still struggle with it on the regular. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, But I don't think if we hadn't taken that step, I, I think things would be very different right now.
1: I would agree. I would definitely agree. And I think for both of us, like, some of, um, if you've never read any Brené Brown. You will, you will love her, and you will hate her, and you will probably swear at her sometimes because she says all the really smart, horrible things about vulnerability that you know are true, but you don't want to be true, and I think she was really good for people in your system and for me and for our relationship and life just in general. Um, so, Brene, if you ever happen to listen to this, um, we really like you and would love to chat with you.
0: Yes, and you have really helped and taught our system a lot, and...
1: And it have used you with other systems as well.
0: Yeah, and what's been really great is a lot of her concepts for people who are struggling are able to apply to multiple parts of the system. It's not like it just applies to a little or it just applies. It, it can be... The concepts are broad enough that they can be used to apply to different people in different ways. And, and that... Both
1: inner and external relationships.
0: Yeah, and that's been... Mm-hmm. It's been amazing, Brené. So, thank you. Yeah, you suck.
1: You do. You're the worst, mm-hmm. and we really like you. We do. So, yeah, we got on a tangent there, I guess. But I do think, I do think that her work is good, especially for systems who are struggling with that concept of vulnerability, either with themselves or with their support people, or both. Um, I think it can be a really good, especially like if you're all reading the same book or sharing thoughts from a book it can be a really good conversation yeah or to make notes
0: in a book and go back and be able to reflect on that Mm -hmm. that was something that we did with some of Brene's work and it was really helpful Mm
1: -hmm. absolutely so I think I think that kind of sums up big m more or less I think as we cover other topics there might be things that are relevant you know that we her name comes back up but um I'm sure at some point as we talk about things, her name will come up and. Oh, I have one question. Yeah. So just what was it like to squish together? Because like you had been separate for, for years. So what was that experience like for you? Did it feel natural? Did it feel weird? Did it feel both? Like I can't imagine having someone else squish into me. So. Which is definitely the technical term. Here. It's definitely, I do think it felt a little different
0: than Leah's experience. That's why I asked. think as Leah and Chris became one, the walls just kind of came down and they learned more about each other until they became one. And for me and Big M, we already knew each other. So it was almost like finding yourself again. And once we started talking, it was kind of like we could open a gate and everything kind of flowed really easily. And I think it happened quicker than it happened for Leah and Chris because Mm -hmm. we already were so
1: much a part of each other. Makes sense. Was there any part of you that was afraid of losing yourself into her or of her into you that you were aware
0: of? I think a little bit of both. There was definitely some concerns just what would happen? Would we, either of us lose part of ourselves? Would we be different than we were? Mm-hmm. Um, how would it change our relationships and the way we interacted with other people? Just kind of what would everything look like? Mm-hmm. Would people even notice? Would it be this big drastic change? Like, how would that even play out? And honestly, I think it just softened me a little bit. I would agree with that. And there weren't really any other big changes, which was almost weird in and of itself. Mm -hmm. It's like you're expecting, it's like when you turn 18, (laughs) and everyone's like, you're an adult now! And then you wake up the next day and you're like, nothing feels different. Mm -hmm. It was like, kind of like that, where it was supposed to be this big colossal change, Mm -hmm. and it didn't feel drastically
1: different, Mm -hmm. honestly. So what what I'm hearing from talking to you and from talking to Leah is that there isn't a way that fusion goes and that it's okay for it to be whatever experience it is for you and just to sort of trust the process and what feels natural and not try to force it into either what you expect fusion to be like or what your therapist might expect fusion to be like.
0: Yeah, there's no set way to fuse with another person and no necessary reason why two people should or shouldn't fuse or more than two people or however it goes. I think it's just feeling it with your system and people talking and being open with each other and then going from there and you can't, I think people want it to be more controlled and it's more just feeling it out and seeing. Mm
1: Well, and I think of other systems where I know people who have fused for a little while and then separate out again for a little while. And I think that would be easy for it to feel like, oh, that person didn't want to be with me or rejected me or I, I did something wrong. Versus like the needs of the system at that time just needed you guys to operate a little more independently for a while. But that doesn't mean you can't become part of each other in a different way again.
0: Yeah, and... I think trusting your system, nobody Mm -hmm. can tell you, nobody looking on the outside can make a list of your people and tell you who should or shouldn't fuse together. They aren't living in your body. They aren't living with the people in your head. They don't know. Mm -hmm. And so thinking someone else can say, oh, well, these two people make the most sense, so they should squish together. It's just not how it works. It's learning your people and your system and
1: figuring out what makes the most sense for you at any given moment. And I think we used to do that with you guys, like me and your different versions of you. And you guys collectively talk about like, oh, well, would it make sense like for Trey and Charlie to fuse together at some point? Or would it make sense for Jess and Leah? Or um, what might that be like? And one of the big things I've learned from that is it's sort of a waste of time. Yeah. You don't know. Like you could very easily end up someday that like Bray and... I don't know, Marshall Price. or Mar- Yeah. Like that. that's what makes sense. And it's really, it really, really is about trusting the system. And I think as a therapist, that's something I emphasize so much for my clients is you are unique. Your system is unique. What you need is unique. And I can talk to you about things I know that have worked for other systems. I can talk to you about conversations you guys should start having with each other. I can give you feedback on what I'm viewing, but at the end of the day, it's about you and it's about the parts of you figuring out what works best for you guys at that time. And that doesn't mean that that's what it'll be forever.
0: It doesn't. And I having those conversations of, and this will be something we get to, I think more in depth Mm -hmm. in a specific episode, but fusion might not be realistic at all. Mm Mm-hmm. Or it might be you're going to fuse down to one-ish person, or that's how you're... Like, there's just a lot of options, and we'll get into that more. Mm-hmm. Um, for people listening, though, who people around you are telling you what you do or don't have to do, find a therapist who, who really understands DID, and they shouldn't be telling you, in my opinion, um, whether or not you should or shouldn't fuse together. That's... From my lived experience, when I, when we were all first admitting we had DID from what we knew of the research, it was like, well, someday you're all going to squish together and be one person and, and function as a single person together. And we've, as a system, have decided that's not a reality for us. Mm-hmm. And initially, we didn't really know that that was a choice. And mm-hmm. so learn your system and listen to what different pieces need, because nobody should have to do something
1: they're not ready for. Agreed. And as a therapist, all I can tell you is, I want you to be safe. I want you to figure out how to be alive. I want you to figure out how to make all of the parts of your system feel valued. But I don't get to decide what that looks like. And I, and if you have a therapist who's telling you what that looks like, you need to just think about that relationship and whether whether you're just you're interpreting it that way or that whether that's what's really happening. Because you, you guys get to Like, so much of D.A.D., you didn't get to have decisions for yourselves. Now you do. And you want to decide what's best for everybody to the best of your ability. And just value people's input.
0: Mm -hmm. You've got time. You don't need to decide today or tomorrow or anytime soon what that future is going to look like for you. You've got time to figure that out and learn how to communicate with your system before you make big decisions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely.
1: All right. Well, I think I think that's a good place to end because that's a piece of her of M's legacy, of Big M's legacy was helping people to improve communication and understanding and and some of those things.
0: So. Yeah, she really opened up our vulnerability and our ability to communicate, and that has really changed how we see things and has helped mm-hmm. us a lot. I
1: agree. So on that note, if you have questions, I think we covered kind of a large range of topics with this one. Um, And some of them may be a little bit more confusing, like the whole like M and uh, just being two people, but one person. But then back to uh, like that that transition. Yeah. Um, So if you have any
0: questions about anything we covered, and I know we also touched on supporting each other. So if you have questions for me or for Liz on supporting me is that is definitely something we'll talk about more Um, but please feel free to reach out you can message us on a lot of the podcast platforms directly otherwise you can send an email to my puzzle pieces podcast at gmail.com we'll have that email in the description so it's easy to find and we would love to hear from you
1: yeah It's funny because when it's like a little person out, I have to say a lot more of that. And then when it's just, she's just like, I got this. Like, there's no, like, no hesitation. She's just going to tell you all the things. And I'm just going to sit here and be like, yep, those are the things. Good job. So those are the things. And we would love to hear from you. And until
0: next time, have a good night. Have a good night. Bye, everybody.